0: For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. What's going on, party people? Y'all doing? Oh, come, hold on. I know it's cloudy outside. I know there's hard things going on in life, but this is your opportunity to put that all aside and get a little ignorant. All right, so we're gonna try this again. What's going on, party people? Okay, that, that's a little bit better. Okay, I'm gonna see if it if the if the meter goes up as I continue preaching. But hey, thank you so much for having me this morning. My name is Ernest O'Dunsey, and I'm one of the pastors at Frontline Church. But uh, and let me. Say, I'd be remiss if I didn't say greetings from, from our uh, spiritual community. I'm so glad to be here specifically because of the investments that this church has had even on my life. As I looked at Dwayne back there a few years ago, I was able to go on a mission trip and that totally just rewired everything I thought of God. I saw his compassion, I saw his love, I saw his endless grace being bestowed on a group of people and I was able to bring that back here and increase the fervor I have to see the Lord. And so you all have invested deeply in me and I am eternally grateful for this church. Uh, Today as I preach Um, uh, Well, before I preach, let me give you a couple updates. Uh, I am the director of Restore OKC, and it has been an amazing six years, which began with just hanging out at a library, tutoring kids, to a few months ago, we're able to open up a brand new grocery store in OKC's largest food desert. Thank you. Hey, and all praise goes to God, because if you knew me, You would never think it was because of our wisdom and our brightness that we were able to pull that off. The only reason there was a grocery store in the middle of the block is because of God's goodness and God's people being so generous. So thank you so much. Things at Restore OKC are just going gangbusters. We're opening things, we're expanding gardens. We have so many opportunities for you to volunteer. And so if you have any further questions about volunteering with Restore OKC, you can head over to restoreokc.org. And there you'll learn all about us. We would love to have you. And after service, if you have any specific questions, please pull me aside. So I'm going to go with the sandwich method, where you're supposed to do good news, bad news, good news. Okay, so that was the good news, the bad news. Just a personal update. Uh, you can be praying for me and my family. Um, we are going through, uh, or I am still recovering from COVID. I, I uh, had COVID in the beginning of January. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people that contracted long COVID, which means every day you wake up in a puddle of sweat, short-term memory loss, uh, just weirdness going on in your body. And so I would love your prayers as I'm continuing to recover uh, that, that God would give me the grace to, to, to uh, stay strong even through hard times. So please be praying for me as I pray for you. Another good thing, though, in a personal life is the O'Duzzy family had a baby. Can you put that chunky baby up there, real quick? Okay, where's my chunky delight? Where's she? Where's she? Oh! Look at that. Who can say no to that face? Me. Uh, See? She's one years old and already is running the house. And so that's my chunky joy. We had her uh, April 28th of this of last year and uh, she's keeping us on our toes. <laughs> so um, thank you for your prayers for our family but then also prayers for uh, continued perseverance as we try to raise that chunky terrorist. Okay. <laughs> I want to begin with a activity. By a raise of hand, how many people remember their first car? Raise of hands, how many people remember their first car? Okay, okay, now I want you to do something. I want you to turn to someone near you, and I'm gonna give you a couple minutes to just do this. I want you to describe your first car to someone. When I say describe, I want you to give the make, model, but then also the condition of your first vehicle, all right? So I'm going to give you one minute to turn someone, preferably who you don't know, and talk about your first vehicle. Ready, set, go. All right, all right. If the person you talk to has not been able to describe their car, make sure that y'all take turns. (laughs) 10-second warning. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Let's return. Let's return. Let's return. Okay. I wish I brought a prize. I don't have anything to give away. I got some, uh, a stick of bubble gum in my pocket. Uh, okay. So what I want you to do by the raise of hand, who thinks that they had the most raggediest car in the room as their first car? Okay. Okay. Yell it out. What type of car did you have? Cortina. I don't even know what that is. Okay, go ahead. $60 is what it costs. Uh, six, mm-hmm. My dad helped me fix it. Mm-hmm. I have to occasionally Fred Flintstone it. <laughs> <laughs> in the I would push with one foot. Uh-huh. And get it the <laughs> all right, all right. Who can beat that? <laughs> okay, okay. You can have a stick of gum. Okay, so... <laughs> I remember my first car vividly. My first vehicle was a 1985 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. Le- Look at them wheels. Now that isn't my car. But my car probably looked worse than that. So my very first vehicle was a 1985 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. She had 113 miles on the odometer and not a care in the world. Except that time the battery caught on fire. That, that, that wasn't so good. But that's beside the point. Old Cece, me and my car, we had nicknames for each other. So Old Cece was was my girl. Uh, we had pet names for one another we were so close Uh, she sported the finest pearl white coat of paint found this side of the Wichita mountains the AC didn't work but guess what if you wanted to ride with me in the summer you would have to lather on a layer of Crisco to avoid the cheap vinyl seat burns but the ride was worth it If you think that what I've described so far is bad, CC's windows quite literally were stuck up. They didn't work. So when it was hot in the summer, it would get the, 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 the windshield would get so foggy that I would have to grab paper towels and wipe and drive, wipe and drive, wipe and drive. CeCe was raggedy. But you know what? She was my raggedy girl. I loved my CC. Now, I could list many more challenges that came with this vehicle, but what I want to highlight is the one thing that struck the most fear in my heart. My car wasn't $60, but it did cost $600. And guess what? You get what you pay for. See, my $600 specimen of pure horsepower had previously been stolen. And I can't exactly prove it, but I think the accomplices tried to steal it for its Kelly Blue Book value. The amateur thieves smashed the door locks. They smashed the trunk locks to gain access to the vehicle. And guess what they got away with? A $20 CD player and an Old Boys to Men CD. That's all they got. Was it worth it? No. But they inflicted the damage. I couldn't afford it on my large Papa John salary. So what I had to do was learn how to open it with a screwdriver, okay? Don't ask how I learned. Don't ask. Not all up in your business. Okay. So it it was $600, and I had to use a flathead screwdriver to open it, but guess what? I learned, and now just get this picture in your head. You pull your Subaru into the Walmart parking lot. Why a Subaru? We're in (laughs) Edmond. Why Walmart? We're Oklahomans. Okay. You don't like my joke? Okay. (laughs) As you exit your Hunter Green Outback, you notice a ruggedly handsome man sweating profusely as he plunges a screwdriver into the steering wheel column, causing you, causing the vehicle to sputter to life. Now you're left with a dilemma. Do you call the popo on this possible bandit with exceedingly poor taste in vehicle quality? Or do you do number two? Do you set up a GoFundMe page out of sympathy? <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for me, I never had the cops called on me, at least for this, uh, but I'm still waiting for someone to fund me. I'm, I'll, I'll receive applications. <laughs> CeCe was my hoopie, but I treated her like a queen. I was so excited the first day I got to ride CC. I was so excited, but I was nervous at the same time. I remember placing my sweaty palms on that steering wheel at 10 and two. Yes, I learned that from the movie Hitch. Okay. So I put my palms, my sweaty palms on the 10 and 2, and I was hyper-focused and cautious for the first hour. My father's voice was warning me, but it got drowned out as I decided to crank past anything that uh, resembles responsibility and go straight up to unprocessed frontal cortex mode. The wealth of experience gathered surely qualified me to to demonstrate a proper donut procedure in the middle of a crowded neighborhood. I was well-trained. And I mean, what's the worst that could happen? All I can say is, that day I learned three glorious initials. A, A, A. My dad was not very happy when he pulled up as my vehicle was getting towed from our neighbor's driveway, but You know what he said? He didn't say it verbally, but I knew what he was thinking. He was looking at me with these eyes saying, you got what you deserve. You got what you deserve. Or maybe you're probably more familiar with the rated R version. Ain't karma, uh, stop. Sinners. But isn't karma Interacting with you, that's how I'm gonna say it. Okay, so what is karma? I was curious, what is karma? Because we used to say that so often. The word karma is derived from the Sanskrit word karman, which means to act. Originally, the term karma carried no ethical significance. In ancient texts dating all the way back to 1700 to 700 BC, karma referred simply to a ritual and a sacrificial action. But in the middle of the first millennium BC, Vedic theologians began expressing a belief that later became commonplace, but was considered new and very strange at the time. And this was the belief a man turns into something good by good actions and into something bad by bad actions. If you do good, you will become good. If you do bad, you will become bad. That was the belief. And later, Buddhist and Hindu religions would cultivate this belief into a full-on spiritual principle of cause and effect. Often descriptively, this is also called the principle of karma, wherein inherent actions of an individual cause or influence the future of the individual, the effect. For my math nerds, that probably did nothing for you, so I came up with an equation for us, okay? So this is exactly what it means. You ready? This is the equation. A plus B equals C. Oh, I thought that would get some applause. That's pretty good for a public public school kid. No, okay. A is your subject, B is your cause, and C is your effect. This makes sense. Whatever you do, us being the subject, The action causes an effect. It makes perfect sense. I bet it makes so much sense that you can finish my sentence. Check this out. Finish it if you can. If you don't work, you don't eat. Exactly. Some of you knew it. You didn't grow up in my house. I heard that every day. So, how about this one? The early bird? gets the worm, okay. Um, and then this final this one is a little bit more uncommon. Those who work hard get to play hard. play hard. Exactly. These are common things. We get this principle of karma and action is always going to have a reaction. We know this. It is common sense. Why am I even talking about this if it is such common sense? For one reason. But here, before we get there, one more example. See if you can finish it. We started from the bottom. (laughs) Okay, that one was a little harder because that was a Drake lyric. Um, And Drake is a rapper. uh, And that had nothing to do with my sermon. I just always wanted to quote Drake. Okay. (laughs) Okay, get to the point. Get to the point, skinny preacher guy. What does karma have to do with anything? Sir, you're beginning to sound like one of them liberals. What, what are you talking about right now? This is the point. My fear in being a pastor, my fear for our state is I believe that way too many of us, especially us Bible Belt Christians, I believe that so many of us have replaced what God would have with us for us with Christian karma we have a theology of Christian karma yeah I know it sounds like a bad dating app sponsored by Mardell but Christian karma occurs when blood-bought believers mistakenly pursue the gifts of God over the giver that's Christian karma said another way You will miss God and the purpose he has for your life entirely with the wrong spiritual equation. You plus more money doesn't address the deepest urges of your heart. You plus a hot spouse or a hotter spouse is not going to fulfill the longing of your heart. That thing that you're saving up for that place that eventually you will get to, none of these things are going to feed the ache in your heart. Only one thing can do that, and that's the good news of the gospel. So here it is. If I was going to give a title to all that we are doing today, it would simply be this, Christ Crucified Karma. Christ crucified karma all right head on over to Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 while you're flipping or clicking over there I'm sure your heading is probably gonna say the golden rule and at the risk of insulting your intelligence I feel led to remind us all that Jesus did not inspire the chapter headings Okay, he did not inspire the chapter headings. See, this idea of the golden rule dates all the way back to early Confucius times around 500 BC. The idea of the golden rule dates back to, uh, as a matter of fact, the tenets of, of the golden rule can be found in nearly every ancient religion and text. The rule may also be referred to as the ethic of reciprocity. The ethic of reciprocity. And it is made manifest in three ways. These are the three ways that the ethic of reciprocity can be worded. Number one is treat others as you would like others to treat you. This is the positive and directive form the phrase and here's an example if I were hungry I would want you to give me food if I were hungry I would want you to give me food and in return if you needed food I would give it to you reciprocity the second example is do not treat others in ways that you would not like to be treated so this is the negative or prohibitive form of the statement. The example would be, I don't like starving. Even though this physique may beg to differ, but I don't like starving. Therefore, I will not starve my children. Since I don't like it, I'm not gonna inflict it on someone else. And then the final third version, third version of this statement could be, what you wish upon others you wish upon yourself. What you wish upon others, you will wish upon yourself. And this is the empathetic, empathetic or responsive form of this text. And the example would be, if I wish a drought upon my enemies, I am actually wishing a drought upon myself. These are three ways that the golden rule has been fleshed out over eons. And so what I hope to get out of our time together especially in verse 12 is how the power and the beauty of God's invitation far surpasses anything your hoopty of karma Christianity can offer. God has something so much better than the hoopty of a life that you've built for yourself. Even though I know your life looks good, but God has so much more that he desires for you. And that's what I hope you get out of today. Verse 12 says this, Whatever you wish that others would do, do also to them. Let me close. Okay, can't do that. Okay, but the text preaches itself. There's not much to add to that. Whatever you wish that others would do, do also to them. But did you catch what just happened? Don't worry, I knew you wouldn't. So here, I got more equations, baby. OK, so here Jesus is talking to us. So that would mean that A equals me plus x equals the intent, plus y, which is the others, divided by B, which is the cause, equals A, which is me and you and C, which is the effect squared. I didn't know how to put a square symbol. Uh. But you got it right. It makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> Not at all. That makes no sense. Public school. So it makes no sense. And this is exactly how thousands of Jews would have felt as Jesus began to teach and, especially here, proclaim that the Messiah was purchased on the side of a mountain. So Jesus is on the side of a mountain. He's teaching throngs of people. And you know what they look like? Us trying to figure that out. They're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? Because he's doing a new thing. Now, they had an added advantage advantage that you and I don't have. Many of these who were listening memorized entire chapters of scripture And I'm not talking about the good stuff, Old Testament. That was a joke, okay? Don't stone me, don't stone me. Okay? They had memorized entire books of their text, but guess what? They still didn't recognize Jesus. Memorized entire chapters, recited them daily, and they still did not understand. Me neither. But guess what? Jesus walked on water. And you know what they said? Nice trick. Still, they didn't understand. Jesus turned water into wine. You know what they said? Not nice trick. David Blaine does it better. They still didn't understand. Resurrection? Houdini. Okay, if I were Jesus, I'd be like, okay. I'm about to prove that I'm the Messiah. Okay, give me a little dirt, check. A little spit, check. Apply on blinded eyes, check. And guess what? Allow 10 seconds for the application. Mm -hmm. Ding! He can see! And you would think that would be met with applause, but you know what they said? Sir, can you wear a mask? No matter what he did, no one understood who they were standing in front of. Although many in the crowd knew that their sacred text pointed to a coming Messiah, a complete defeat of evil, and the renewal of God's heavenly kingdom on earth, they understood intellectually, but as the prophet Isaiah recorded, the Lord has said, these people praise me with their words, but they never really think about me. They worship me by repeating rules made up by humans. We still don't understand. And here's, and here's the tragedy, friends. It breaks God's heart when we settle for empty promises that, Christian, Christi- that karma Christianity offers. That's all it is. It's counterfeit. It's empty. There is no promise outside of the gospel that can satisfy what God wants you to have. And I know this to be true based on one word. And I have purposely skipped over this word until now. You type A's probably noticed that. Verse verse 12. One word. What does it begin with? So. So. Let me explain this to you. This word so is a big deal because so is a conjunction and how many of you started singing conjunction junction was your function in your head? Any old heads in here? School, school, school Schoolhouse rock, none? Okay. Uh, A conjunction is a word used to connect clauses and sentences. So what this means for our scripture today is, you cannot, will not, or in Oklahoman, you bet not, attempt to understand this main idea without first processing what precedes it so this reminds me of that t-mobile commercial you know the one i'm talking about I think I got a picture of it up here. Okay, you know this commercial. So this reminds me of this T-Mobile commercial. If you haven't seen it, let me explain it to you. There's these two friends in their video chatting with one another. And one lady is selecting clothes for an interview that she's about to attend, while the other friend gives advice on what she should wear. And then, unfortunately, there was a spotty cell network there was a spotty network. More than likely, they were on Sprint, because Sprint is terrible. Sorry for the Sprint users, but they, these individuals, they had a spotty network, and because they were on this Sprint zero-G network, the friend misinterprets the message and arrives to her moment for advancement. Instead of advancing, she looks like a clown. And that's what happens to us. Whenever we try to understand the meaning of the text and divorce it for what God wants from us, not only is it a waste of time, but it also keeps you from walking into what God has from you. He has something better from us. So hey, don't be like that lady. What God wants to do in you and through you isn't... sorry. Don't be that lady and miss what God wants to do in and through you. Do to a spotty spiritual network. Okay, how do we do this? Land the plane, sir. Okay. If you read chapter twelve without a proper context that's outlined in chapter eleven, you cannot understand the biblical and true golden rule that is centered around the doctrine of adoption. You cannot, will not understand this text or the love of God or why we so crazy and want to clap and sing and tell everyone about them. You will not understand it without understanding adoption. What is adoption? Um, The definition I get comes from an article titled Adoption, the sweetest doctrine. Selah. Selah. Adoption, the sweetest doctrine. Aaron Menikoff writes this. Adoption is a gracious act of God, wherein he makes justified sinners like you and I, his beloved children. The Westminster Confession says, to be adopted is to receive God's name and to have access to God's throne. His pity, his protection, his provision, His discipline and his promise to never abandon us. Get that tattooed on you. God is good. And guess what? Hey, family. Karma can't give you that. Nothing but the gospel can give you that. You're adopted into a family, not based on anything that you have done. And because that, it impacts everything. The gospel and the gospel alone contains the one missing ingredient needed to work up a Holy Ghost lather. Do I need to explain what a Holy Ghost lather is? A Holy Ghost lather is when you have that day when everything's going bad around you. And just for some reason, you're God alert. And instead of responding the way that you normally do, you actually turn to them in whatever way that you do. It may be hitting your knees in prayer. It may be grabbing a devotion. It may be hanging out with some friends. But every now and then, when I'm feeling low, I got to work up me. Holy oh, Holy goes loud. I put on some gospel music. I get to praying and dancing because the enemy wants you to sit in misery. The enemy wants you to be captured by things that haven't even happened. But what God wants to lead you into is something that has happened and is still happening. Okay, let me get back to my text. Okay. The good news about God is that his sinless perfection combined with his awesome power multiplied by his complete omniscience on top of his endless grace it leaves behind let me double check my work calculator it leaves you with nothing more nothing less than mercy from a good good father you know what else he leaves you with indwelling power from on high and please don't forget that extra strength is always available to you when you are weary forgiveness in the midst of crippling guilt God gives acceptance when you feel rejected healing when your body feels limited and broken he gives provision when you don't have enough wisdom when you feel like acting up that's just me friends Jesus is saying to you today whatever you need son I got you Whatever you need, daughter, it's on me because you're mine, you're mine. Or said this way, verse 11, if then those who are evil, or another way to say this because no one's going to say I'm evil, but let me, let me change this so that you can put yourself in the text. If you then who are not perfect, it's all of us know how to give a good gift to your children, and they bad. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know who says something like that? A good, good father. Not an empty, fake, powerless karma Christianity. Here, I want to leave us with this. If I could just remix this entire verse. If I could just remix the entire verse so that I could emphasize God's invitation it simply be this. Do for them what I have done for you. Do for them whatever I have done for you. Who's the them? Our body Another way to think of this is imagine that you're poor. You're sitting on the side of the road. You're in shabby clothes. Your your pallet that you sleep in is rolled up next to you. And here walks a stranger. Looks like they may have more money than you. And there you are with your hands open and you're begging. I just need something to eat. I just need shelter. I just need to feel loved. If that was you in that moment, how much would you ask for how much would you ask for luckily most individuals who are in this state have more dignity than me because if I'm reading this text what it says is what you should ask for is everything that poor person should ask you for everything and you know what that shouldn't send you to despair It shouldn't send you to despair. A a verse like this, it liberates us from our primal urges to keep everything to ourselves. Okay, let's do this. Let's stand together. I want to pray for us. Do for them what I have done for you. Imagine for a moment, what would our... What would our state look like if that was our motto? Do for others what I, being the Lord, have done for you. How would that change our state? Imagine if you you took that one simple question to your family. What impact would that have on your family? How you treat one another? How you celebrate one another? It changes everything. It changes everything. You know why? because he changed us. He loves us. He loves you. He cares for you. Hey, if you're here today and and you would say, you know what, that sounds real good, but you don't know what I did. You know you hitting donuts in the middle of that that, uh, neighborhood, popping over the curb, landing in your neighbor's lawn? That's like my life. For some people, that's how you feel, that's my life. My life is a wreck. This is the invitation for you today. Trust your father, he cares for you. Whatever he brings to you, he's not gonna chastise you, he's gonna meet you with grace. And ultimately, you need him. If you don't know him today, you need him. We would love to talk to you. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for all you have done to us and through us. Thank you so much, God, that you love us and you care for us and we know it's true because it's in your word. And as you end the chapter from the law of Moses to the complete fulfillment in God's preeminent prophet, Lord, we ask that your grace and mercy be with us as you lead us and you guide us and you allow us to do for them what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this Redemption Sermon. For more resources and information about Redemption Church, visit redemptionokc.com and follow us on social media.